Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 26 of the PDH Pod, the one and only Magic the Gathering podcast dedicated to the total exploration of the Pauper Commander format. I am your host, Brad Drack V. Dave is actually off this week as he attends to actual adult matters. So it's just me and the PDH PhD, Liam. How was your week? My week was chaotic, to put it in one word, Mm -hmm. Uh, in all aspects (laughs) of life, in school, in work, in... Uh, magic it's just non-stop, it's been very non-stop huh? chaos and this is a, a a welcome break from all of that chaos good it usually is for me too i don't think it was as chaotic as yours but yeah it's always a nice little break yeah my uh my school decided to throw a couple of curveballs at me at the last minute at the end of the marking period uh, yep marking period that's high school uh at the end of the semester <laughs> uh so it's it's just been trying to keep up on all that because i i was done i was done for the semester and then they threw a couple last things at us i'm like ah oh, come on yeah but yeah so that's that how's your week uh pretty good just just kind of crazy with work and like i don't know if it's because i just i kind of work in the corporate world as a contractor you know towards the end of the year everything gets a little chaotic like every department's trying to finish their schedule and half of them are shorthanded so they're pulling from other departments yeah which affects their schedule. It's just, it, it's a whole thing. So I'm kind of on the outskirts of that looking in, whereas the last handful of years I was on the inside of that. <laughs> so it's, it's quite a, quite a culture shock. Yeah, for sure. Actually, I think it was Monday. Like there was just a horrible, stressful vibe at the office. Like everyone was stressed out and like, like what is going on here? And I talked to my wife about it and she's like, well, normally you're you're in that stress. This is the first year you've been on the outside of it and you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. I'm like, oh, I was one of those people for years. <laughs> <laughs> it was not pleasant. But I still got stuff to attend to with work and all that, just not not to that level of stress. Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy about that at least. Yeah. All right. Well, I think before we move into the main topic, we're going to do a little bit of housekeeping, talk about the Patreon, and do a shout out. We got a brand new patron this week. Did you know that, uh, Liam? I did because I accidentally got them to sign up. But you know what? Happy accidents, <laughs> right? That's right. It's all about the marketing, social media presence, yeah, as they say. It's all about the marketing. So I'll just go ahead and say what I uh, what I said, which was on Twitter. Yeah. You know, we, as as the uh, Dominaria Remastered uh, single day spoiler season was going on, on magic.tv whatever i was i guess live dropping live reacting in the one discord channel yeah that was that was impressive actually oh yeah well to make it even more impressive i was live reacting in the discord channel as well as in two different magic group chats uh so keeping it straight (laughs) of what to drop where i almost dropped you guys a couple mythics uh oh yeah and i almost dropped a one group chat a couple commons and they they would have been like why are we looking at these? These aren't cool. Oh, Sands, Sandstorm's <laughs> Get getting here. a reprint. Look at that. Ooh, I like that card. But uh, yeah, so it was just dropping all that in. And yeah, so I, yeah, I went yeah. on Twitter and I was like, yeah, you guys should like join this. And then uh, you can see me reacting to it too. And that apparently convinced someone. <laughs> yeah, within like five minutes, we got a new patron. So welcome to the family, Findhorn Brownie. I know their real name, but I'm not sure if they want that out in the world. 
their their username is Findhorn Brownie. You see them a lot in the PDH Pals Discord, the PDH Home Base Discord, that sort of thing. So, but just like Brownie, as a patron, you get access to the pre-show, which is usually just kind of a short recording of the of the crew catching up for the week, talk a little bit. I think this week's pre-show is going to be a little a little wonky because we had some audio issues, but we'll get all that taken care of. And then you also get early access to full episodes before they go live, and then. We're working on giving away some swag. We've already sent out some stickers, that sort of thing. But, you know, we'll grow that as we get further along. And then finally, you get access, like like Liam was saying, if you want to watch him live, live text, live Discord message the Wizard streams, you get access to the PDH Pod Discord, where you can chat with all of us, get help with your decks, all that good stuff. So, And then uh, as a patron, every now and then you even get to help pick show topics, which is yeah. kind of cool. And then always check out the YouTube, PDH Pod YouTube. We're just the PDH Pod over there. Lobbert is kicking butt on those videos. It is awesome. Everyone turns out better than the previous one. So definitely go check those out. And then I think, as usual, next up, we got This Week in Magic. I think there was a couple things, huh? A couple things, Brad? <laughs> a couple things every hour. <laughs> every hour. So uh, for those of you who are weekly listeners, you will remember that last week, uh, I decided to preface Secret Layer this week, right? Because last week we talked about a couple Secret Layers, uh, but I was like, hey, just to preface it so I don't have to talk about Secret Layer, you know, next week, which is currently this week, if you're still listening. I was like, yep. I was like, yeah, I want to talk about the uh, the Transformers Layer that was hinted at. It wasn't officially spoiled, but I was like, you know, just to get ahead of it, I'm going to tease at it. We talked about it a little bit, and then the next day, they revealed all of them, and it was like, okay, okay, but they also revealed the december super drop and people were making fun of me on twitter and it wasn't very nice <laughs> yeah you definitely um, <laughs> got called out for that one <laughs> yeah it was like friday i was getting called out for like three people they're like ah oh, there's nothing sweeter than listening to the pdh pod uh and liam talking about this week in magic with secret layers just to have secret layers spoiled <laughs> yeah it, it yeah perfect it, was, it was perfect timing uh but for those of you who live under a rock and uh don't follow that there were three transformer secret layers that were revealed uh one of which was uh my correct uh guess which was uh it was going to be a bunch of commander staples right so there were six cards they're all commander staples we don't care what they are then mm-hmm. i my other guess was if if the layer was not commander staples they would do something with the Allspark and probably Optimus Prime and Megatron, but because they just gave them legendary creatures, whatever cards they were using to uh, uh, show uh, Optimus and Megatron, they wouldn't make them legendary. Uh, and that guess was also right. Uh, they made a second layer where it's uh, Megatron and Optimus Prime fighting over uh, Doubling Cube or the Allspark. And I think Megatron's mm-hmm. on Blightsteel Colossus and Optimus is on uh, Darksteel Colossus. Uh, well, that's cool, I guess. And yeah, then they did cool. the uh, obligatory basic land secret layer with the uh, universes beyond, which I guess is fine. But then, yeah, then we had the December super drop. <laughs> but oh, wait, oh, there is more. <laughs> we had the December super drop, which doesn't have five, doesn't have seven. It has nine. It has nine secret layers in it. Oh my god, <laughs> I'm done. Like I, <laughs> and then today they had the audacity to reveal the december astrology layer and i was just like Mm -hmm. so that brings us to you know i was trying to preface the one or two layers that were going to be the transformers no they they decided to you know wizards decided to to look at me and listen to that podcast like nah fam we're going to reveal 14 uh so there were now we got you (laughs) secret layers announced this week uh for those of you keeping track that brings us to 71 secret layers this year that is one every five days and you know what 
there are people who are taking the astrology layers and just counting them as one like you know the astrology layer because there's going to be a bundle uh towards the end of the year where you can just order uh one of each so there's going to be a bundle so if you mm-hmm. if you count the astrology layers as just one that's still 60 six that that's yeah that's still yeah, more uh-huh. than one a week that's like one every six days <laughs> so here's my question yeah we have the december super drop are we going to have a secret anniversary drop as well because they were big on that the last two years. They, that was a big thing. They were big on it. That was a very I am very big shocked thing. that we have a December Super Drop and we still have three weeks left in the year. I'm like, please, for the love of God, don't give us a Super... Don't give us a Secret Fossery Drop, please. Yeah. You broke it down to uh, one release every five days, yeah. so there's still 25 days left oh, in the yeah. year. Oh, they could, they could, <laughs> they could knock that down to like one every three, no problem. But, yeah, exactly. Hey, Brad, there's a Lenoir Elves, so... <laughs> Good luck collecting that. <laughs> I saw that. I don't know. I guess I was working. I didn't. Well, I don't really yeah, pay attention I, to the most yeah, of the drops. I get that news from you every week, but I saw that in the show notes and I immediately looked it up. It looks really awesome. The whole set does. Yeah. It's Kozendan. Co- Kozendan, yeah. It's, sure a, uh, it's that, a uh, okay. pseudonym of a husband and wife that live out in California. They they do oh, all okay. together. Yep, yep, yep. I see that now. Yeah, they're fantastic. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they they're look like, great, um, but I just like, I'm not getting them. I can't. <laughs> like, yeah, the the Land of War Elves is the only one in that drop that I would yeah, even exactly. think about. But yeah, so that's just Secret Lair. Good God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just It doesn't layer. stop there. Within the oh, last no. week, Jumpstart 2022, or Jumpstart 2, officially released. Uh, it released on Friday, right? right? People doing pre-releases. I haven't even touched the set yet. I'm probably not even going to touch this. I'm going to just order the cards I want, which is three of them. Yeah. Um, and then I'm going to move <laughs> on. Wizards decided to... Uh, fiddle around with the preview schedule i guess to to make the dominaria remastered uh previews shorter that way we want you know theoretically in perpetual preview season which i can appreciate but like come on the solution the solution to revealing a 450 (laughs) card set was rather than spoiling it over four days we're gonna spoil it in 24 hours here you go everything on a tuesday let's go and i was like what (laughs) Like, okay, you do that. It comes out in five weeks. We're gonna it release it all. Comes in out one day. January thirteenth. I know this is a little behind the a little behind the scenes, but I'm a, I'm just talk about it real quick. We've talked. The three of us have talked about uh, the rapid release of sets and like how impractical it would be to just constantly be doing like a set review every month, especially mm-hmm. for a podcast like us and like where we're talking about. Not necessarily, I don't want to say a fringe format because it's, you know, it's a little fringe, but it's fun. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. we're not talking about like Commando or Standard or Modern, right? And right. so I think we all kind of agreed that like we need to look at the sets and see if they actually have impact. Like Double Masters 2022 had impact, but but yeah, we had sure. to wait for Jumpstart to be fully revealed before we decided because when we looked back at Jumpstart 1, there were 10 cards that were new to the format and five of them were the mm-hmm. Thriving Lands. Yeah. <laughs> so we we got to the end and there's there's a little bit more than 10 cards. Uh, I want to say it's about 30, 40. I think the consensus is we're going to talk about it next week on the live episode to to start it off and then we're going to take, you know, questions just about whatever, right? I think that's kind of the general idea that we came to. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. I think I think that works for everybody. When it comes to Dominaria Remastered, even though the whole set's going to be spoiled, I don't think we're talking about that till January even if we do like we yeah, we, we decided sure. we agreed and decided kind of kind of together i don't know if dave's gotten his uh his input on this yet but i imagine he'll agree that even if 
other podcasts are going to be covering it soon. We're just going to let it simmer for a bit. Yeah. There, I don't think there's any reason for us to Absolutely jump on not. it. And and I mean, it's like I said in the Discord, uh, the Super Secret uh, Patreon Discord. Like I, th- you know, we can literally and figuratively afford to not touch on it this this week. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. Exactly. so so we you you will probably see something from us about Dominaria Remastered, but don't expect it soon. <laughs> yeah, and and probably don't expect it this year yeah don't don't expect it like <laughs> literally this calendar year yeah because exactly. the set comes out on january 13th and that's at least two recording sessions before it comes out in the new year mm-hmm. so right we'll take our time with it no we'll take rush. Our time. yeah exactly all right well that was a pretty good recap of this this week that the, was the, that was a week <laughs> that was definitely a week this week in magic huh well i think we can move on to the to the main topic and did you know that one of the perks of being a patron of the show is that you get to boss us around? Did you know that? I I did not know that. Does that mean if I join the Patreon, I can bo- I can be my own boss? Is that how that works? That's, ex- that's extremely meta, but I think it works that way. Yes, I think it Neat. does. <laughs> but that is exactly what happened this week. You and I and a little bit of Dave, we, we jumped, jumped into Discord and we asked for ideas for the episode for this week because this episode was going to be next week and today was going to be the live episode. But then Dave's stuff came up and we decided to flip flop the episode. So we got in the Discord and sort of asked around what the patrons try to get some topic ideas from the patrons themselves. And that's where this episode came from. So yeah. what we're going to do this week is uh, one of the more popular questions that got asked is how to build a Pauper Commander battle box. What do you think of that topic, Liam? I think this is going to be interesting. Yep, I agree. <laughs> this is going to be this, I... is, this is going to go so many places, and I'm going to go in so many rabbit holes. I'm just going to apologize to everyone in advance. Yeah, same here. First off, uh, apologies all around. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think it's a very fascinating topic. I've only ever built a sixty card pauper battle box, so that's kind of where my experience lies. And even then, it wasn't like super fine tuned or anything, but. I think we can get into it. Uh, first off, do you want to kind of tell the people what a battle box is for those that don't know? I suppose I could talk about a battle box. Sweet. There's an interesting bit of history here that I that I didn't know, but yeah, I'll talk about the battle mm-hmm. box. So the definition of a battle box is going to be a number of decks uh, that is designed to be balanced against each other or, or effectively create their own meta, right? So mm-hmm. this could look like you know, the cycle of legends from the Dominaria 2018 set, or this could look like, you know, the top six Simic legends or top six Simic commanders of all time. Uh, and you just put them all in a battle box. Uh, I don't know why yep. you would do six Simic decks, but you know what? <laughs> uh, battle boxes, uh, we're going to touch on this a little bit later, but uh, the battle boxes are as much of a self-expression as uh, cubes are. They're just a little bit mm-hmm. different. Uh, you know, ideally you can maybe get an event rolling. Maybe, uh, you know, on, on larger battle boxes, you could probably uh, host a whole tournament out of it. Uh, I, I know for sure you can do that with my pop, my, uh, pop battle box. Yeah, absolutely. But the idea here is you're just creating kind of a, a self-contained, your own personal meta in a format of your choice. In this, in this we're doing a PDH battle box. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's kind of what it is. Uh, some people might refer to this as like a gauntlet, like a gauntlet of decks. Uh, you've probably heard that term is like, you know, three or four decks someone put together that are balanced against each other they use to teach people the game. Uh, that's kind of what this is, but Battle Box is a little more, uh, a little further away from beginner level. 
At least that's yeah, pos- sure. that's personally how I've heard it used. Is gauntlets are used to introduce people to a to the game or to the format, and battle boxes are a personal self expression of the format. Yeah, yeah. Do you want anything to that? Uh, yeah. I kind of looking into researching a little bit the topic of the show. I actually. I've been following Brian DeMars on Twitter for a long time. He's a really good follow. He has been into Magic the Gathering since its inception, basically. He's one of the old school players. He's very innovative. He's very creative. He plays a bunch of different formats. He was big in a popper, 60-card popper for a while. He's a really good follow. He's not super active on Twitter, but he's a really good follow. A lot mm-hmm. of good insight. He, he writes articles for T, um, Channel Fireball, that sort of thing. So basically, he created a format in the early 2000s that Ben Stark called the Battle Box, and it just stuck. So that's where that term came from. But basically what BDM's was, his was almost like a cube, where it was 350 singleton cards, non-land cards specifically, 350 singleton non-land cards. And the whole pile of cards was on the table, and each player drew a card at a time, and sort of like in the exile zone, if you will, were the stack of lands to choose from. And you could draw land, you could draw off the deck, whatever you needed. So you were never mana screwed, you were never mana flooded, your deck always functioned. But it was sort of like a cube where it was completely randomized, you never knew what you were going to get. And you just battled against each other, basically. There's a whole set of rules that goes into it. Uh, Maybe I'll throw the link to his article that he wrote about it into the show notes. But it's really cool, you can build it based off any format. Um, His, obviously, is Legacy, a Legacy Battle Box, or he calls his The Danger Room. So... He's got all sweet, like, alpha and beta, you know, cards in there and stuff. It's it's really awesome to look at. And I think of the people that have built similar battle boxes, you know, the most popular format is probably Legacy, but his format could be a whole show in of itself, and I'm sure it is somewhere. <laughs> so that's not what re- we're really here to talk about. Just know that it exists, and I know I, know I have talked to people that have built pauper battle boxes based off um, BDMs, and apparently they're really fun. I've never played one, but seems like it would be something that would be pretty cool to like sit around the LGS or kitchen table and have some people drawn from a big old stack of cards and, and fighting each other with them. So, But that's, that's basically what technically what a battle box is. But I think the community as a whole has adopted that term to mean here is my box of decks and they are designed to battle each other. Basically, that's what I mean. I call my my box of popper decks a battle box. So you're not doing anything wrong by calling it that. Just know that there is actually something called battle box. It's just a little bit different than what we think of today. Yeah, no, I agree. But yeah, typically most of what I'm going to refer to, like I said earlier, is my 60 card battle box and what I'm familiar with building there. And like you said, it's its own meta. You know, you can kind of build whatever you want it to be. The biggest difference the biggest difference in like what I own, what's upstairs in my closet, my 60-card popper decks, and say a PDH battle box, the biggest difference is going to be the sideboards. Like I can tune <laughs> the sideboards within that battle box to fight all the other decks. You know, I don't yeah. have to tune them to fight decks that aren't there because they're just not in the battle box. Whereas in PDH, if it, my thoughts on it are anyway, if, if you wanted to build a PDH battle box, you have room within the decks to quote-unquote hate on the other decks if you want yep or you don't need to at all you could just have a collection of decks because there's not really like an established you know sideboard or meta or that sort of thing yeah like you you know if you have one deck that is very heavily artifact focused you could make it a point to include more artifact removal in in other decks than you might otherwise 
it can get a little yeah, sketchy exactly. because you know rather than a sideboard that exists with a 60 card deck you you have to main deck all this stuff and it can make the decks a little wonky yep in in terms of the battle box isn't really a problem but if you want to play those decks outside the battle box it becomes a little weird to, to with lack of better terms which is why like all my pdh battle box ideas and theories that i've ever had usually boil down to picking four commanders that work well against each other slash in tandem that allows me to build them more traditionally while although mm-hmm. while, while also taking into account the needs of the of the battle box uh and this often means that you kind of have to color balance uh you know you you can't have you know red and all all four commanders uh i mean i mean you can right. you, you can <laughs> but sure, you can. it's going to be a very fast battle box right but if you want it to be right. more balanced and the the four decks kind of have a tug and a pull you need to color balance which means you tend to end up with two two color commanders and two three color commanders mm-hmm. and when you know when certain three color combinations are a little lacking uh that can <laughs> that can bring down the overall power level of the battle box you know if, yeah. if, if you end up needing a teemo commando and you got bear's companion <laughs> i got some bad news for you <laughs> i got some bad news for you <laughs> Man, this is this we should rename this from the pdh pod to just on uh bear's companion <laughs> non-teamer oh, God, i love teamer but dang uh we need more options we yeah, do uh, we, we need more clans so you you have to go into it knowing what you want out of it and i in an ideal world that looks like a set of four decks that work well against each other uh i can mm. see arguments for more than four but they tend to be very limited like if you want to do five or ten you know, the argument there is, well, you know, all 10 come out of the same set. You know, like, I'm doing the 10 Kaldheim uh, Legends. I'm going to make oh, a battle sure, box sure, with the sure. 10 Kaldheim. Like, okay, sure. You know, they, they come out of the same set. Now, there are certainly ones that are more busted than others. Like, Zvella <laughs> and Vega are going to be way more busted than the yeah. blue-black ice zombie dude, because clearly I remember their yeah. names, which means they're impactful in regular PDH. <laughs> the ice zombie dude. <laughs> but, like, that's my point, right? Like, the, the you know, the more powerful... You know, not, they're not more powerful because I know them. They're just, you know, the more powerful because they exist in the regular PDH meta. And they, you know, yeah, I exactly. know they exist in the regular PDH meta because I can tell you their names. Yeah. And then, you know, compared to the cycle from which they came, they are very powerful. Exactly. And so I think there's there's some bias there when you have a large cycle like that versus a smaller cycle, like the five that come out of Strixhaven. You know, Dina mm-hmm. is busted quintorius is busted right but right. you get to some of the others like zamone is pretty good you know she's a little watered down yeah. tatiova mm-hmm. i you know I, I i sometimes literally swap out tatiova for zamone when i'm playing the deck because i want to play the deck again but i you know that that swap just knocks it down and don't get me wrong yep. zamone's second ability comes online pretty consistently it's just <laughs> you know it, it takes a little more work right so who, who am i missing there's zamone quintorius dina Killian. Killian's busted. Killian. Um, Killian's very good, yes. Who else am I missing? I'm missing the is it I'm, I'm missing Arutha. <laughs> ah. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna so hear it from the pals. I'm so sorry, pals. Um yeah, so uh I mean Ruth is Ruth is pretty good. I, I will admit that. Yeah. I, I looked at Eric's She's three fun. lists. I looked at Eric's three lists and they're all, you know, bonkers in their own right. And so I, yeah. I have I have bat around making a uh Strixhaven battle box because I, I just love the Strixhaven set so much. When I've when I've knocked it around, I've left Rutha out of it. I've I've 
made it out of the other four. <laughs> right. But yeah, uh, you know, that would be a good one because they all, you know, even though Quintorius and, and Dina are, are very clearly ones that could take off running, uh, there, are, there are other decks like Killian and, and Rutha who tend to be a little more tempo-y and, and can rein those others back in. So I think that would mm-hmm. be like a good balance if you would choose five. But if you were choosing them for like, you know, your favorite commando or like from a bunch of different sets, I would recommend finding color balance. I would recommend finding a, a variety of strategies. But with that, Brad, are there any strategies you might want to avoid? Well, speaking from experience, actually, I do want to touch on what you were saying about color balance, too, is I would I feel like in PDH in a PDH battle box, color balance is significantly more important than in a 60 card pupper battle box you know you don't want you don't want to know in the back of your head oh deck three loses every time because it's this this and this and then (laughs) you know you just feel bad for the person that picks it so i think on that respect it takes a lot more um, a lot more work to balance it out whereas in the a 60 card deck battle box you can just it's up to you what i did is i basically took the entire pupper meta at the time and built all the decks and threw them in there like they're still all together and the, you know it's it's like a a snapshot of late 2019 to to late 2020 sure. that's all the decks right there so sure it has it probably has more red than anything <laughs> but that that's just how the format works out you know hey but there's uh, no I, initiative I exactly exactly yeah i don't <laughs> think you want that sort of balance in a pdh box because that would create no fun i don't know i mean I, I, I don't want to say that because fun is different for everyone. You know, may, someone may find uh, fun in having four mono red decks just duke it out in in, in a pod, right? <laughs> and by all means, if you can find three other insane psychos, go for it. Yeah, absolutely. More power to you. Start a YouTube channel. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would watch that exactly once. Uh, so you've already <laughs> got my watch. You've already got my view. That's right. That's right. But yeah, so I, I, I definitely don't want to say something along those lines, but it, it's definitely for the greater experience of all and for an ease of convincing, color balancing is is key. Yes, absolutely. Now, back to your question about things to avoid, was it? Yep. I know that in the battle boxes that i've talked to people about and the the one i built myself if at all possible unless it's just your jam unless you're you're a crazy man like the mono red guy that we just talked about i i try to avoid combo decks as much as possible you try to avoid combo decks yes i have one in my box just because it is part of the meta but i literally (laughs) have one (laughs) but brad we talked Uh, about combo decks last week you should be a master at this no oh no no i am not i am not putting composite golem in my battle box oh gosh battle box (laughs) yeah i don't blame so no i think you know on that i think deciding your size is very important but i think you know for pdh i think for the most part we landed on four decks is probably the sweet spot unless you just had you know this flavor win in mind and you wanted to do eight from a set or a full cycle of 10 from a different set, that sort of thing. But I think four is a pretty good sweet spot. Yeah. Especially if you're just going to use it to introduce people at the LGS to the format, you know, you don't want to bring a dozen decks and have a dozen people playing and then you're trying to manage all of them and somebody gets left out and they have a bad taste in their mouth, that sort of thing. So I think four is a good spot to start. Outside of that, I think your next step is you want to pick your archetypes. Like I already said, I'm, I'm going to do all I can to leave combo out of it for one it can get out of hand really quick and tend to warp the entire 
meta, quote unquote, your meta that you've built. It can also two, it can also be difficult for new players to figure out. That was number two. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And then you have to explain it to them as you're trying to to deal with the decks and the other players and play games and that sort of thing. Yeah, especially because think about it, combo decks also tend to run tutors, mm-hmm. and and yep. tutors can be hard. They re- they they can. They really can. They seem really straightforward, but then you kind of get into the zone with them, or you know, into the game with them, and you're like, hmm. I yeah, I should do this now. I don't know what I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah, what do I, I need? I put two as my own decks, and then I promptly take them out. <laughs> it's like it's like this is a good card, but I have no idea what I'm doing with it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I've said that on stream. I'm like, I'm gonna you know transmute this for something. I don't know what. <laughs> I'll just look until I find something interesting that fits the fits the requirement. I love reading primos, and they're like, oh, this this card transmutes for this, this, and this. I'm like, yeah, but what about these other twenty things? And like, if you're transmuting for yeah. those, just don't. <laughs> And I'm like, so I'm putting this one cut in to transmute for these two things, and like, yeah, basically. And I'm like, that that's not basically, fun. yeah, yeah. You know, half the time when I transmute, the thing I transmute into is the first thing that meets the requirements. Yeah, like, oh, that has the right mana. Let's go with that. <laughs> Let's go with that. That looks good because it's just otherwise I'm going to sit there for twenty minutes staring at the deck. Yeah, exactly. So, I think a healthy mix of archetypes is good we have them all in pdh so yeah uh, most boxes you know contain like we talked about contain an even number of decks for time you know you could even if you get your your local play group or your lgs to the point where you could even run a a popper commander tournament you know you've got the box ready maybe somebody wants to borrow decks that sort of thing if your box is big enough you could run a tournament out of the box you know that that seems really fun i was going to do that with my popper box before the pandemic hit and then just all went I haven't really revisited that idea. So, but yeah, I think, what do you think are some good archetypes for a, like, if we're just going to stick to a four deck PDH battle box, what archetypes would you expect to be in there? Oh, hold on. Hold on. I, I did this, I did this theorycraft a couple weeks ago when we had a, we had a okay. question that was along this line of like, what four decks would you put in a battle box or see in a pod together? I had an aggro deck, a control deck, a mid range deck and a combo deck okay trying to remember who i picked for each one uh i know i picked the three color naya viashino for my aggro deck and then i picked anna battle mage the uh, saltai battle mage from plan of chaos i think okay that block uh Mm -hmm. i picked that one as a uh, shoot was that a control deck i think that was a control deck the idea with there was uh ramp super hard and then control people with uh anna battle mage's ability and you like bounce it back to hand it was chaos it was it was, it was a mess yeah <laughs> it was only theory crafting i have no lists for any of these so please don't ask me for them i can't remember what the other two were but they they were mid-range and a, a combo deck i almost want to say the combo deck might have been no it couldn't have been green because green's in both anna and viashino Red, white, blue, black. I think the combo deck might have been Carter. Okay, sure. Then blue, white. What what would be uh, Carter? What do I have left? I did control. I did combo. No, Carter was mid range. Carter was mid range. Yeah, and I had Rectos, yeah. and I had Sphinx. Uh, Ethos one Sphinx is the uh, combo deck. Ah, uh, there you go. Yeah, that's nice a good colors. One. Oh, nice co- yeah, I that, love that's that. A, that's I a good love, deck for a combo for sure. I love that commander um yeah. <laughs> well, it's not that's a good choice it. too i think if if you're gonna put 
a combo deck in your battle box, I think Ether Sworn Sphinx is a is an excellent choice. Oh yeah, you're, you're just gonna have people read it, be like, "What does this do?" It's like what yeah. it says. <laughs> what do you mean? What does it say? Yep. It's like it, it says a it bunch says. of stuff, and it does it all. It does all of it. Just just <laughs> play it, swing with it, bounce to hand, rinse yep. repeat. That's all you gotta do. Um, yeah, so it's. I think that that was like my ideal battle box that I would like to see. Uh, just just theory crafting for like maybe 20 minutes uh of ideas mm-hmm. uh because it's got nice color balance and it's got the four it's got the four big archetypes you know we do the three by threes a lot and we talk about archetypes uh but i think like the the the, the four big ones you know aggro mid-range control combo they kind of you know you, you have a bunch of other archetypes like you know you know you get down to the the nitty gritty of like oh well in 60 card papa we have this red black mugwarts it's like well, what is that is that combo is that aggro like it's a little bit of both, right? Mm-hmm. So yep. that one, I don't, you know, that, 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 sure, that's an archetype, but I like the big overarching ones. Cause when I say this is Naya aggro, I can just put large bodies like Colossal Dreadmore in the deck just because. Because yeah, exactly. it falls in Naya identity and it's aggro and it's simple yeah, to and, understand. Uh, yeah. I don't have no, to. And s- like you said, you're, you're not getting as specific as, oh, this is boros bully monarch token yeah i don't have to get specific with like any tribal stuff i don't have to get specific with any you know combo uh like any Mm -hmm. specific combo you know the combo deck can just be a a handful of combos or honestly it can just be things that just get out of hand like peregrine drake just putting that in a deck it can get out of hand right it you know in in, in pdh it combos with you know a a light breeze and a tissue so you know figure (laughs) it out it's like oh this thing enters the battlefield untaps five lands it costs five mana. How can I break this? Right? Math. So, yep. <laughs> like, like, you know, throw a couple mana sinks in. They don't have to be particularly great. Just throw a couple in. You know, just stuff like that to, to kind of introduce yeah. people to the ideas of, of what can happen. Because that's all it is. Yeah. I think that's a pretty good explanation of it. You just don't, unless you're playing or unless you're confident with your play group or the people at your LGS, I wouldn't go much deeper than those archetypes either. Like you said, Combo, control, mid-range, aggro. I yeah. think you're perfectly fine starting there and then maybe evolving those decks or even if you have the resources, build a second um, battle box where it's more specific. Like, this is Voltron, this is Tokens, this is, you know, that every, sort of thing. Brad, if you have the resources, every deck costs like $10. Well, that's true. That's true. I just know for a lot of battle boxes, people like to bling them out, foil them out nicely. That's true. That's true. fancy carrying case, all that sort of thing. That's so, true. But yeah, you can get more specific with the second box if you wanted to, or narrow down your choices, that sort of thing, or just make them not harder, but just more involved decks to pilot. Yeah, it's completely your flavor. It's your box, but I think as a starting point, those are the four main pillars, if you will, of the archetypes that I would start with. And then two, when you get when you take this box and you take it to your friend's house or you take it to the LGS and people are like, "Hey, what's that? Why are those decks so big? They're not they're bigger <laughs> than my decks." <laughs> you got to kind of explain things to them. So even if people at your shop or your friend group are familiar with Magic, maybe they even currently play Magic. They've probably, I mean, at this point they would have had to have heard of Commander, but maybe they've never played Commander. You know, an aggro deck, an aggro PDH deck is not going to play the same as an aggro 60 card deck. So at some point you're going to have to explain these decks either to a current magic player new to the format or a completely new magic player. And the best way I have seen to do that 
is usually someone will have a description printed out and they'll put it in the deck box with the deck itself. It's printed out on like something like the size of a card. Uh, sometimes it's fine print. Sometimes it's two-sided if it's if there's a bunch of stuff going on. I've also seen it too where someone, it was really cool, he had QR codes for each deck that took you to an online version of the deck that sort of walked you through it, had descriptions, had all the pictures of the cards, that sort of thing. Did, did you know that Moxfield will generate QR codes for you? Holy sh- Oh, yeah. I did not know that. Oh, yeah. Oh, Moxfield's fantastic. There you go. Right there. Do you folks want to know why I went from tapped out to Moxfield instead of tapped out to Architect? <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have there a whole, go. we're going to have a whole episode on Moxfield. This thing's amazing. I continue. So, yeah, I would. No, you're fine. That was I, that. That's really good to know. I did not know that they had that. But some sort of description of each deck is very helpful. Like I was saying, I've seen custom cards printed out. You know, QR codes, that sort of thing. I've seen handwritten notes. I've seen a notebook with all the decks listed in them. Just anything that is more explanatory than here's a hundred cards. It is white, black control. Good luck. Yeah. You know, you want to have some something you can explain to them where you can do. You can explain it to all three other players at the same time instead of having to take 45 minutes to talk to one person and. 30 minutes to talk to the next person you can sort of address them all and go over the decks at the same time because they have something tactile in their hand or on their phone that they can reference yeah no i i agree that's that's definitely important that if you're handing someone a, a deck like that you know whether it's whether it's aggro or combo having a little you know get to know me slip will come yeah. in handy mm-hmm. a lot even if it's just something that's just three or four steps along like yeah this is the name of the deck this is what the deck does this is how it accomplishes it it doesn't have to be like this dissertation on this primer this 10 paragraph primer or anything with with lines and graphs and and all that stuff but just anything you can hand out or or walk them through it's very helpful yep yeah and i think whatever you decide to do just make it fun you know i think the qr idea the qr code idea is pretty fun i did not know moxfield had that so i may have to uh break out the pauper battle box and, and hook up some of those just put it right on top of the deck list or the deck box and oh yeah that's that's pretty sweet yeah it's, then it's it always it it always updates like you know you update the deck the qr code's updated oh yeah it's it's very that's magical <laughs> it's it's very nice uh for my my one edh deck that no one but me can usually read <laughs> so i'll break it out and i'll just put the qr code in the middle and they're like what's that for i'm like you'll see we get to turn. You'll find out. Yeah, they're like we get to turn two. Like, what's that do? I'm like, just scan the code, <laughs> find it in the list. Uh-huh. It's like, turns out when you build a foreign language deck, not everyone can read it. Yep, yep. We actually ran into into that problem last night on stream. It was funny. <laughs> oh, but I mean, it's it's one thing. Like, okay, foreign language cards, right? It's one thing if you're playing foreign language cards and you can't read them like right <laughs> like you know the, you know and now you know there's a difference right? are you playing like for for an edh player right are they playing a foreign soul ring like everyone knows what soul ring does right for for a pdh player right uh are you playing a foreign command tower like you know everyone knows what command yeah. tower does but it's like it's like when you're playing something you know maybe snuff out and you're playing a foreign snuff out but you can't read it it's like you know it's snuff out but do you know exactly word for word what Snuff Out does, Brad? Yeah. Do you remember the exact words? No, I no. Yeah, it's like it's like it's great that it kills a creature. What kind I of creature? I always forget the non-black part. Yeah, but... or even still, like you know, sometimes there's there's little uh, 
little niche things in the rules text that make it interact a certain way and people need to know that uh so it really mm-hmm. is like you know you need to know the exact wording you need to be able to read it and so that deck that i play like i can read it usually right. my opponents can't uh, so they're like what is what's the exact wording and i'll read it off and like no 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 what's the exact i'm like this is the exact wording so it's like you know you you need to know that stuff when you're playing foreign cards yeah especially with so many cards at our disposal and, you know you gotta you gotta know whether it exiles or destroys yeah you know, and, that sort of thing and please for the love of everything if you're going to play in a competitive tournament with foreign cards know what they do like yes like if you is know, that a let, nightmare as a judge? Let's say, yeah, Brad, let's say, you know, you and I are playing against each other and I'm playing a fully foreign deck. If you call a judge over for clarified oracle text on something I cast, judges have mm-hmm. no problem doing that. If I call a judge over asking for clarified oracle text on my cards, judges get irritated <laughs> real freaking quick. Mm-hmm. Like, we understand. Yeah, I can imagine so. Like, we understand if your opponent is playing foreign cards, right? That's not your fault. We're happy sure. to help. Right. But if you're playing foreign cards, stop. Better damn sure know what they do. Like, I think it got so bad at the past SG Con, I feel like I vaguely remember some uh, a head judge issuing proxies for like 20 cent cards because this dude just didn't know what they did. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> bro. Like, he had the pretty Japanese Strixhaven ones in foil. They were, they were stunning. They were gorgeous. He's like, I know the name of the card. I just don't know what it does. And I'm like, bro, stop come on bro <laughs> like he had so many judge calls asking for oracle text which is like dude like stop like either pull up oh, the oracle text on your phone or that's frustrating okay mini 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 rant over <laughs> that's a good rant it's, it's good to see behind the curtain every now and then yeah 100 uh, percent. you know uh just play forward cards smart yeah play them smartly it's a good way to put it that's totally it's totally the topic of this like, week right yeah foreign cards and how to play them yeah how to not play them and how to not play them <laughs> don't yeah. don't and, and shows and over end of episode <laughs> <laughs> uh trying to wrangle it in back in uh, just a little bit sure, um, sure. one of my favorite things about wh- whether it's uh, brian demar's true battle box or as a popper battle box or pdh battle box whatever you've got uh one of my favorite things about them is they don't uh, it's totally up to you but you do not have to keep up with the current legalities of the format like i was saying earlier my popper box really hasn't been updated in about a year and a half so i'm two or three bands behind but i could open that box right now and have a 40 person tournament and no one would complain because sure there are very strong cards in there that have been banned but because of that there are cards in the sideboards that deal with those strong cards if that makes sense so make it how you want you don't have to as opposed to updating regular decks that you play with, like on stream or every weekend at your buddy's house or the shop or what have you, when a new set comes out, you don't necessarily have to rush and update your your battle box if you don't want to, because it doesn't need that. It's a like we mentioned earlier, it's a whole self-contained sort of environment, sort of a snapshot in Magic's history, if you will. And if you want to leave it that way, go for it. Yeah, absolutely. Or if you want to have your own ban list, <laughs> you know, some people want to test out different decks where, where this card's banned or this card's banned. I saw someone on Reddit one time had a, uh, a no ban list popper battle box. Like I can't imagine. Oh, that, sounds, that sounds awful. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I'm sorry, random person. That sounds awful. Uh, there are just certain I don't things. know if I would enjoy playing it, but just I, the idea of it was like, oh yeah, I, I guess think you could do that. Personally, if, if I was going to, cause, cause my current popper battle box is, is 
decks that see play in the meta and it gets updated either every six months in january or july or mm-hmm. when one of the decks is impacted by a banning i i update specifically that deck and i usually just go to mtg goldfish and copy whatever the the highest performing deck of that variant was and, and just play it that yeah. way yep makes it very low effort makes it but it but it keeps a, a box you know consistently updated and, and together if i was to do it all over again i would absolutely create my own ban list um certain things on the ban list on the pop-up ban list would probably come off uh because i would ban other things like all fast mana would just instantly be banned i i personally i would just ban every ritual and and piece of fast mana like Mm -hmm. a lotus petals like you know dark rituals uh just even mana guys you know even mana guys it doesn't see play but i'm just just yeet them out of the i always forget that's i always forget that's that was pretty common oh yeah it's just Just, wild just yeet them out of the uh format and bring back some of the other stuff that you know like like I, sw- I swear, whenever they do end up banning Dark Ritual in like two or three years, they better unban the stuff that got banned because of it. <laughs> it's like, and, yeah, you we know, have a lot of those. I know, I know they won't because they're going to be like, oh, we banned Dark Ritual. We want to see how the format shakes up and then we'll decide if we want to add stuff back. Because, you know, to to ban a card, it has to be detrimental to the format. But to unban a card, it has to add to the format. And I'm just right. like, that doesn't seem fair if it died because of someone else's sins. Yep. Like, if you get rid of the something else, you should bring it back. And then you know what? If it if it messes up again, if it betrays our trust and breaks our hearts again, ban it again. Like, yeah, ban it again. What's the problem? Yeah. Like, you know, you already, you know, let us have to suffer with it for six months before. What's another six months? Like, mm-hmm. you know, we, we saw that recently with Expedition Map. Oh, it makes Tron too powerful. So they banned a bunch of stuff and they're like, hmm, where is Tron? Let's bring Expedition Map back. Yeah, it can be done. But the point is, you have that control over your battle box. You absolutely do, and it's fantastic. It is It is really fantastic. It's nice to have your own little environment of decks, your own little format, if you will. And I say your own little format. You know, my 60-card pauper battle box isn't updated, but it, it abides by some a ban list that existed at one point. That's not so much an issue in PDH because there's a couple cards that are banned on there so it's not like you're gonna have to constantly worry about that but if you wanted your battle box to have those cards yeah that's up to you go for it just just make sure that everyone knows you know so yeah you just be like yeah hey uh you know my one deck is initiative like we're just gonna do that yeah we're just gonna do it (laughs) and you're (laughs) just gonna suffer (laughs) my (laughs) my one you know what's what's another thing uh my my one deck is unadulted unfiltered tron good luck have fun Mm mm-hmm you know, yep. I'm gonna win on turn three, and it was nice just, knowing you. <laughs> you might as well just just sit there, right? Yep. <laughs> all of my decks, all of my decks play eight counter spells. Good luck. Have fun. <laughs> that sounds, sounds that miserable. sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mentioned earlier about the the size of your your um, PDH battle box. Whether you want to do a cycle or four decks or this and that. Uh, one of the cool ideas, if you decided to go bigger than four is you could design your decks to be played 1v1 as opposed to in a pod. Yes. Because we do have a, a pretty vibrant PDC, as they call it, Pupper Dual Commander, 1v1 Pupper Commander for community. They're always running leagues, building decks, that sort of thing. So you can always tune your decks to just be played against each other. I can't remember. They they allow Rhystic Study, right? Yes, they have a different ban yeah, list than, than four-player. I think their ban list is entirely different, right? They they allow Study and Remora, and they banned Oubliette. I think that's yes. it. Are there, are there other bands? I don't think there are. 
I would have to look it up, but I know it is like vastly different than ours. Oh, I think I think uh, I think there's a random commando band, but don't quote me on that. I'm not sure. It is a very interesting format. Like I recommend to the listeners if you can get in a league, uh, I would try to. They they last I don't know six weeks or so. I believe six to eight weeks. Yeah. So yeah, they're pretty fun. So yeah, you could totally do that with your with your battle box. You could even um, there was a buddy of mine that was trying to make a EDH battle box but have it be i think he was going to call it modular or modal or something where for each deck he had a almost a sideboard of like i want to say 20 to 25 cards per deck that depending on what style everyone wanted to play he could just swap those cards in and out i guess kind of like a sideboard but it those i guess it ended up being like 100 extra cards for a four deck box those 100 cards like completely changed the format of that box it was it was really cool went from a casual to competitive yeah exactly i think it changed one deck completely into a combo deck as opposed to like a tempo or whatever it was i'm not super familiar with edh and i don't know if that can only be done in edh because every single card is available but i always thought that'd be neat to do in in a pauper or pdh environment so that's worth a shot too last checked i have about 20 paper decks uh, pdh paper decks i don't Sure, I could throw them all in a box and be like, this is my battle box. But <laughs> they're all sort of like disjointed from one another. There's no real like cohesion. They're... And I know that's sort of how streams are with PDH. Like you never know what you're going to go up against. You know, you don't have a sideboard, this sort of thing. But I feel like if I were to personally build a PDH battle box, I would have a little more flavor, a little more continuity between yeah. the decks, if you will. Put a, put, put a tiny bit more effort into it, right? Yeah, I think it just, each deck just needs a little bit of tweaking, and then they probably all fit, you know, yeah. synergize well in the same box. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, I, I don't know if there's a whole lot more to talk about that on. Just decide on some good decks. They don't have to, they don't have to be tier decks, you know, but if you're going to make a Tati, if you're going to put Tatiova in there, and you're going to put, I don't know, Night Vale Predator or Sailor's Bane in there, the other two decks should probably be able to compete. Like, I, I would not mess around with the power level. I would keep them all kind of the same. Yeah, we're going to run uh, Tatiova and Ilsan's Shade in the same pa- uh, battle box, right? They're both legends. <laughs> it's fair. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's fair. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, completely fair. Uh, and then, you know, the third <laughs> one is going to be uh, the blue-black snow zombie king from Kaldheim. Yeah, the snow zombie guy. The snow be, zombie it'll guy. It'll be fine. He'll be okay. It's blue-black. Yeah, it'll be okay. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. The fourth one can just be so, whatever yeah. the first uncommon creature I pull out of the boxes. Yep. That sounds good. Perfection. You should build my yeah. battle box, listener. Tell me how it plays. Yep. Tell me how it goes. I'll tell you what to change. Yeah. So yeah, just be mindful of the power level. It's easy to get carried away with some of these decks. Some of the commanders sort of build themselves. So if you let that happen, and all of a sudden you realize that deck one is way stronger than deck two, three, and four, you may you may want to change something. Yeah. So, but I think that may be all I have to contribute. What else you got on this on the PDH battle box? What else do I have in the PDH situation. battle box? Yeah. Whew, that's a loaded question. Uh, <laughs> for a while there, I was really gun ho I was, I was building decks like left and right. You know, none, none of them were particularly great because I was building them at such a frequency that they were just being built out of cards I owned. Mm-hmm. But I was, I was on a mission to build every single uncommon legend. And then Wizards was like, hey, here's Baldur's Gate. Yeah, here you go. Here's, actually, actually, first, first, they were like, here's Commander Legends. And I, I took it in stride, and everything with partner, I kind of just put on a back burner. 
and then I, I yeah. did everything else. And then they just kept coming. Like Kaldheim had ten. <laughs> <laughs> and then Strix stop, and then Strixhaven had five. Uh, and then D and D had ten, and I was like, "Oh my yeah. god!" So I was, I was, I was keeping up. I was keeping up. I was, you know, it was, it was slow, but I was keeping up. And then sure. we got, you know, I was, I was on top of it, and then we got to Baldur's Gate, and I hadn't even touched the partners yet, and they were like, "Right, here's backgrounds," and I was like, "For the love of like everything, stop, oh, just stop." <laughs> so. I ended up, you know, dismantling a lot of those decks because I was just like, I, you know, I, I'm very like OCD and set on something. And if I, you know, get interrupted, I tend to just stop. It's a very bad habit, but it's just something in my head. So I've kept a couple of my favorites of the legends around, uh, but I've started branching out into non-legendaries more like uh, with Ethos One Sphinx. Uh, and my my latest venture is is madness. I I am building an ornithopter Ooh. PDH deck. It's <laughs> yeah. Don't. It's it it's was a, uncommon. It's a Voltron deck. Uh, believe it or not, because that's the oh only God, thing you can amazing. realistically do with that. that the is good true. news is Just the a good bunch news of equipment, is, and there you go. Yeah, the good news is uh the the usual Voltron problem you have with PDH is how many flying equipment do I put in this deck in favor of you know other good equipment, and I don't mm -hmm. have to do that because my commander has flying. Uh, so I'm able to just look at that. You just saved yourself like ten cards. I know I saved myself like twenty cards. Oh my god, it was beautiful. <laughs> I was able to do like you know type equipment, you know rarity common, ID colorless, and then just minus oracle flying. It was beautiful. Right. Yeah. So so that's my latest venture, and it's it's a hot mess. But I'm enjoying it a lot more than trying mm. to like build every single legend. I do eventually have to build a Wilson pile, and when I say pile, I mean like a fifty card Wilson deck, and then pick my favorite background in each color. And build a fifty card deck for that, so I can have like a a, a modular Wilson yeah, deck. Yeah, sort of sort of smash them together. There you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like that idea. I th I'm thinking I'm just going to pick the cycle that says when you attack the opponent with the most life or whatever. I just pick that 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 way the deck kind of does the same thing every time. You know, it, it it's still a modular yeah. deck, but it still has a focused goal no matter what colors it is. I'm thinking about building that. That sounds like fun. It does sound like fun. But now, what if you did? What if you built a four-deck PDH battle box where each deck is helmed by a choose-a-background uncommon creature from Baldur's Gate, and then you did like you were saying, you built four 50-card decks, and then you built four 50-card backgrounds. The only problem with that is every deck becomes a 300-card deck because you have your 50-card commando and then five 50-card backgrounds. Because, you, you know, Wilson could be a mono-green deck with, yeah, a, with a, a green background. So like, every well, No, I was just saying, like, you picked four commanders for your deck, and then you picked four backgrounds, and that was it. Oh! And then when you sat down to play with your pod... You just shuffled just the backgrounds sort of, with... The, you, oh, that sounds that sounds. You weird. just picked them at random. But yeah. color balance would be way off. Um, I would, mm, I would yeah, probably... Would I would probably do five commandos and five backgrounds, and then okay. just shuffle it around. What sounds like the most chaos is uh, the five backgrounds being the attack the opponent with the most life, and it just becomes an aggro yes. slugfest no matter what. <laughs> like, you got like an Azorius and a Demir deck just going at it, just, just, just swinging one ones back and forth. It's just like, oh my goodness, that sounds awful. <laughs> it sounds like fun. That sounds awful. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think of all the backgrounds that we have, I think that cycle is my favorite just because it's so – they read awful. But once you know mm -hmm. what they do, it's so simple and so beautiful. I just love it. It is. It's like shockingly good. Yeah, it's 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 beautiful. But yeah, I think I think that the, the you know these these are maybe straying a little bit away from 
battle box in the traditional sense, but they they are effectively battle boxes, right? Mm-hmm. It's the same same yeah. concept, same idea. Yep, I agree. But yeah. Uh, what are, what are your current ventures that you could maybe build a battle box around? Well, knowing me, I would have to. I don't think I could let myself not build a battle box without Orzov. If it wasn't without Orzov, without without it being just bruise, you know okay. that sort of thing. Like yeah. I don't think I would ever see myself building a tier box or anything like oh, that. But it would be, not. you know, it would be Orzov. It would be. I, honestly, I don't even know what the other decks would be, but I know it would be very flavorful. Like each deck would at least flavorfully tie to the other ones, whether they're from the same plane or same set, what have you. I would actually have to look into that quite a bit because there is a lot of options in PDH. I I kind of like the idea of sticking to, like maybe picking my favorite set and then going with the gold or multicolor options out of that set and building a battle box. But I would have to venture out. It just depends because like one of my favorite sets is both of the Theros. Those are my two favorite sets. Well, well. So, so which Theros? There's four Theros sets. There's OG Theros, which is a three set and, block. Oh, okay, I wasn't even thinking about the block. I was just thinking the set individually. Yeah. So the OG if, Theros block was pretty amazing. So if you're looking at the OG Theros block, there are 105 options that had the uncommon rarity in that block. If you were looking at a specific printing, but if you're just going in mm-hmm. general, there have been some shifts. So there's 113 options out of that block that have been uncommon at some point. Some of them look okay. pretty good, but yeah. So w- which commando would you like have to put in? Like, would you have to put Gary in, or like, is Gary like a heck no? He is. He is pretty iconically Theros. I think you would almost have to. I mean, yeah. I, I would. I would ideally want the box to be all two color commanders for balance. Mm. Mm-hmm. But it, well, I mean, I guess Gary can be in, in a couple of the 99s, but I don't know. That is something to think about. I, I was initially thinking when you asked just to build a, a box out of the two color commanders, like Horizon yeah. Chimera and Warcaller and that sort of thing. And okay. that's the hoplite, the Akroan hoplite. But, you know, I completely forgot just from playing with Gary for so long that he was ever printed at Uncommon. Well, see, but the the problem with this is that Disciple of Deceit is one of your options. And that's just a busted commando. That is pretty busted. Yeah. Uh, you know, after <laughs> after Disciple of Deceit, I mean, battle-wise hoplite, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Uh, I, I guess Spellhut Camaro is fine. Like, Spellhut Camaro, while not the best option for that archetype, could probably hold its own in a Theros, you know, battle box with disciple of deceit sure yep so it would take some some thinking but uh, i I would probably if i were to do that focused on the original theros block i would probably include theros beyond death as well okay because i'm just i'm just a huge fan of enchantments and enchantment creatures and that sort of thing that's why you built killian the way you did i I do i love auras (laughs) they are my favorite type of card oh my god i think i love enchantments like global or whatever they call global enchantments but the the auras are just yeah auras are just where it's at for me Hmm. and they're inherently bad like (laughs) oh yeah yeah they're just awful (laughs) yeah but i love them so you smush together an enchantment and a creature yeah bingo solid okay so yeah it's something to think about but it would definitely have to be flavorful or you know like you were like you kind of led me to like all from the same block that sort of thing yeah or like a theme maybe like they're all horror you know it's all horror pdh battle box or something halloween themed pdh battle box yeah something like that like i I don't think i could just have four decks and throw them together and be like oh here's my battle box like no i want it to be like open the open the lid of the box and it's like you know 
Pulp Fiction where the glow is coming out of the briefcase. And... That's like saying, you know, the, the uh, Lorwyn block constructed tiny leaders, right? Horror <laughs> themed PDH battle box. Color balanced. Yes. <laughs> Color balanced horror. Yeah. Oh, gosh. That. that sounds awful. It does sound awful. I don't know that you could do that. I, I honestly don't know if you could do that. You know what? That's a challenge. If, if you can think of challenge. four commandos that do that, let us know. When I was a semi card seller on eBay, I used to take all my bulk and I would make, I guess technically they were peasant cubes, like 350 card peasant cubes, and I would sell them on eBay. And I got to the point where I was doing like themed cubes, like zombies <laughs> versus humans cube and, you know, demons versus angels cube and that kind of stuff. So I think you could do it in PDH, like some sort of theme, like okay. good versus evil or sure. whatever. It would be interesting to, to look into. Yeah. Yeah, but that's... I guess I wasn't up to anything at first, and now now I'm up to a whole bunch of stuff. Thanks for asking. Yeah, you're very welcome. <laughs> I've I've got all the ideas for you. <laughs> yeah, I know you are full of ideas. So I'm full of ideas, but not full of cash. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's the yes. sad the reality. The magic player's of life. eternal struggle, but Watsi thinks we're just flush with it. Yeah. All right. I think that wraps up our main topic, right? I think so. We do. It looks like we do have one listener question this week. We do. All right. Uh, coming all the way from Scooby Drew uh, on Twitter, we've got, you've been tasked with contributing to the next Commando set. What is going in it? Brad, what are you putting in the next Commando set? Well, I would like to see some reprints, some costly reprints. I know we basically dedicated an entire episode to this, like in our wish list episode. Um, so we don't, I don't have to go over all of them again, but you know, things like Snuff Out, I'd love to see three visits, that sort of thing. Snuff Out is still almost $10 for the Macadian Mask version. Yeah. Uh, just one more, please. Like, it, it, the Warhammer 40k decks helped drop the price of Darkness, which was nice. I think the cheapest version's down to like two or three bucks, which is not terrible. Could be better, but not terrible. As far as pricey reprints, I've been having so much fun this year with Baldur's Gate that I would lobby, I would push very hard for a return to specifically Baldur's Gate okay um, sure it was super fun like i would try to come up with another undercity like a different undercity like when you take oh, the initiative you can pick you can pick please which don't. undercity you go into <laughs> please don't i didn't i did not like learning the interactions of venture into the dungeon <laughs> and initiative because it's like whenever you know whenever you gain the initiative or you venture into the dungeon if you are in a dungeon it doesn't matter what dungeon you just move forward but if you're not in a dungeon, they do different things, right? Initiative takes you to the Undercity specifically, while Venture takes you into the option of one of three. Right, and I think I asked that question actually on stream last night. Like, if I'm in the Tomb of Annihilation and I cast Rilsa, which gives me the initiative, do I all of a sudden jump to the Undercity? Or no, do I no, have no. To finish you finish the Tomb You first? finish the Tomb, and then when you finish and... the Tomb, whatever the next effect is determines where you go. So you can never venture. You can never venture into the Undercity, right? So if you finish Tomb of Annihilation and then you venture, you pick one of the three. But if you take the initiative, you go specifically to the Undercity. Okay. That please do not make another one of those wizards. If you're going to do more dungeons, <laughs> please just lump them in with all the old dungeons so that all the venture stuff gets a little more powerful and the mechanic is a little more playable. Please do so not make another. Yeah. Like I, I love. That. I maybe, love the initiative mechanic. Not... But like, please don't. Maybe <laughs> don't not do another that. Undercity, but yeah, some more interesting dungeons. I can go with that. I can deal with that. Um, I would love to see more backgrounds. I, I don't. 
I think there is a lot to explore there. I know a lot of people didn't like them, but I've had nothing but fun playing with them. And just overall, the, just the set itself, I, I don't know if it just harkens back to my days of playing D&D and playing Baldur's Gate on the computer and that sort of thing, but it just, it was a blast of a, of a set to play with. It's been fun to brew with. I'm always finding new stuff to play with, you know, like Mr. Orfeo and Levon and all that sort of thing. And, you know, since I'm an ideas man and it's up to R&D to figure out the logistics, Baldur's Gate 2 could be a party theme. We could revisit or have a mix between like Zendikar, Zendikar and Baldur's Gate. You know, bring back allies, that sort of thing. Like really heavily adventure allies, landfall, like massive equipment and spells and big dragons and all that fun stuff. Sure. So I'm pushing I'm pushing for a Baldur's Gate sequel. Okay. Okay. What about you? What what's what's your commander set? Alright, so I'm focusing like entirely on reprints. You know, okay. I, I think that we get too many new cards a year. My my commander said that, that I'm is contributing completely to, fair. Yes, my, my commander said that I'm contributing to uh, is going to be in, entirely reprints. Like like the face commandos mm-hmm. might be new, but that's it. Like I don't even know that I would like my the lieutenants in the deck. Like the the secondary commandos, they would probably just be reprints. Like I probably wouldn't choose anything new for them. I kind of like the idea of a whole reprint set, but new like a handful of new legendaries or whatever. That's yeah, like cool. like the you know they make a commander set where the five face legends are new, but the rest of the decks are uh, reprints, even the even the secondary options. Yeah, that, I would love that'd that. That'd be pretty sweet. Specifically with reprints, uh, specifically you know printing PDH legal ones. My very specific one that I want to see a reprint is Forge of Heroes. That card sees too little play to be a dollar, which I know sounds like whining, but it sees too little play to be a dollar thirty, dollar forty, like. But it also does not see enough play, and if it saw enough, if it saw as much play as it should, in in my personal opinion, it'd be more than a dollar. It'd be like a three four dollar popper could, and it could. It would be. I agree. Very mm-hmm. easily require a reprint. It's it's been printed once. Yeah, it's been printed once. Now, granted, it. it was a common, so it was in all the decks. Uh, yeah, but true. it's been printed once, so I yeah. would like to see that reprinted. Uh, there's also. A couple of reprints, like uh, three visits, that I wouldn't mind seeing reprints, just because you know they were reprinted a couple years ago. They've started to climb up again, but also the pauper aesthetic. I want a, I want an accessible black border common set symbol version. I have a list of cards. It's like twenty cards that I want versions of that for. You know, three yep. visits is on it. Chainer's edict is on it. It has one combo common set symbol, and that was a, and that's a sixty dollar card. It's also and a it's white, white border. border. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not really picky about the language. I just I just want an accessible black border common set symbol version. That's all I'm asking for, Wizards. Sure. That's fair. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, even like Snuff Out is a good pick uh, for reprints. Yeah, I, I would just I would just do reprints. Specifically, those three cards you just mentioned, Forge of Heroes, uh, we talked about Snuff Out and Three Visits. Those are cards that we'll always see play oh, yeah. forever. Yep. Like, the, it's hard to... It would be hard for wizards to print a better version of those without them being completely busted or being rares. Yeah. So um, those are those are really good picks, I think, for reprints. That would be awesome. So the next thing I would do is uh, go back to uh, recent reprints of cards and downshift them to the common rarity where they belong so that, you know, I have okay. nice aesthetics. So, for example, you know, <laughs> Seeker of the Way, Burning Tree Emissary, Coiling Oracle, Unearth, uh, Monastery Swiftfield, Spellpierce had beautifully stunning borderless versions in Double Masters oh, too. They really did. But the bounce lands were <laughs> uncommon, and I hate it. I would yeah. love 
borderless balanced land art with common set symbols please thank you uh that applies to like the mall drifter and the lightning bolt and i think there was another one but i can't remember but yeah. i was i was very happy to see that the vast majority of them did have common set symbols yeah, and we all... get a lot of the powerful pauper legal cards in that yeah. fancy treatment and and like to that. all the other uh magic players out there who just say oh who cares about a common reprint in in fancy borders fancy art uh, we do. We care about it. We do. Uh, we would we like as do. we would like as much love as you guys get. Please yeah. print this stuff at the common rarity so that we can have the pretty versions. Yeah, because it's all about the aesthetic. I don't know if it's something I I never thought of before, but until like until I found out, this is probably a year or two ago, or whatever it was that that you cared about the um, the actual set symbol itself and the aesthetics of it. I never really thought about it before, but yeah, I can totally see how. Because sometimes I do look at that and I'm like, oh, why isn't that black? Like, yeah, <laughs> it would just be so much better. Uh huh. <laughs> so I, I will convert crazy. You. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got me into the format, so you, most of your job's already done. Yeah. But yeah, I think that'd be kind of fun. That's probably why they don't ask us to be involved in commander sets. Yeah. No, I would yell at them too much. We'd make it too fun and too cheap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can't sell this. It's too fun. Yeah. But what? what are we going to do? <laughs> What, what do you mean it's too fun? We can't reprint this. We're going to put it in the next one. Put it in the next one, too. No one's going to care. Yeah. Put it this one and the next one. Yeah, no one's going to care. They're, actually, they'll be happy. For real. Yeah. Because it'll be readily available. Yep. Yeah, but that just 100%. makes sense. Yeah, that's fine. It's one of those logical things. So we don't need to talk about that. Yep. All right. Well, I think that just about wraps it up for this week. What do you think, Liam? I think that wraps it up. All right. Well, let's... Uh, Talk about a few more things before we get out of here for the week. So if you, uh, as usual, if you need more Popper Commander talk or have any questions about the format, you can always email the show at thepdhpod at gmail.com. You can head on over to PDH Homebase's website. That'll take you right to their Discord server. Uh, you can find Liam and I on Twitter at Popper Command and Popper underscore B, respectively. And uh, when Dave's out of his contractual obligations, you can find him just about anywhere PDH is being talked about as Dave the Alcadron. And then uh, I'll put all the links down there in the show notes, show details, all that good stuff. And uh, all right. Well, as episode 26 of the PDH pod comes to a close, we want to give a big thanks to MTG Brad for letting us use their original music for the show. And from everyone in here to everyone out there, build your own box, play some PDH, and we'll see you in a week. Peace. See ya. I brought proper text at the party. Next at the party.